Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people say loud, Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Some of you don't know, there are certain faith secrets I've learned. One of them is a shout. Another one is a laughter. I laugh, not because I feel like laughing. I laugh in faith, knowing that the enemy has lost the battle. You know what it means to laugh in the face of opposition? It won't sound like good laughter, because you are making it up, and it's all right. There is laughter in the spirit. Don't get me wrong. This is not laughter in this. This is laughter in faith. When you look at the sin and say, <laughs> you don't know who you are dealing with. Though. I'm a child of God. though. <laughs> now, can you give the Lord a laugh? Okay, you are just learning. You can sit down. You can sit down. Sit down. You don't understand it yet. <laughs> you don't understand it yet. So I forgive you. You are not used to such things yet. Say loud, amen. amen. Tonight, our subject is the man Jesus. Apostle, I want to thank you once again for inviting me. Reverend Omar, thank you, man. Thank you, sir. And the entire team, the leadership team of the church, it's an honor. Amen. amen. And the things that God has put in our hearts, we can share with you. And your life will never be the same again. How many of you have been blessed so far in the two meetings we've had? You have been blessed. Amen. So tonight we're delving into the subject, the man, Jesus. And like Apostle said, God put it on his heart for me to share this. Well, he's an expert in this field. Say amen. amen. So me, I'm just coming behind, and that's fine. Say loud amen. amen. Now, I'm excited about this subject because if there's anything that has affected my life tremendously... It was when God revealed to me that the purpose of Christianity is not prosperity. The purpose of Christianity is not the things that people look for. The purpose of your Christianity is that you should be conformed to the image of the Son. You see, when you plant a seed, what do you expect to reap? Talk to me. If you took a purple seed and you planted it, do you expect to reap mangoes? What do you expect to reap? Do you know that God planted his son Jesus? What do you think he expects to reap? Sons like Jesus. When that revelation hit me, it changed everything in my life. That the whole essence of my Christianity is to be like him. Wow. Is to be like who? Is to be like who? Jesus. The father planted the son. For God so loved the world. Is that not true? Yes. And he gave his only begotten son. Is it true? Yes. So what do you think he wants to reap? Sons. Hello. What did I do wrong? Hello. Okay. It's, it's all right. So, we're going to delve into this subject, the man Jesus, and I'll expect him to show up in the course of this meeting. In his miracle power. How many of you know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? You know why I love Jesus? I told you one of those things that I, I observed about him. There was not one person that met him for a need 
And Jesus turned around and told the person, it is because of so and so. That's why you have this need. Not one. He will first meet that need. Have you noticed? He won't even compare you with another person. Everyone who met him and said, I want this need to be met. The need was met. That's one of the confidence I have when I have to work with him. Say amen. amen. He wouldn't say, you, you don't have faith. You, you have strong faith. You, you have... No, no. It is after the thing has happened, he now explains to his disciples about faith or no faith. But when it comes to meeting that need, he meets it. And my greatest story is the woman with the issue of blood. I love that story. You know why? The woman did not say, Jesus, is it your will to heal me? Did she say so? The woman did not say, Jesus, I know I've not been a good woman, but would you just do something to help me? Did she say so? The Bible says she proposed in her heart that if she can touch the hem of his garment, I don't know how she knew, maybe it's revelation, no? but she knew something, that if I touch that hem, something will happen. And she pressed through the crowd and made contact. And as soon as she made contact, Jesus stopped. He said, somebody touched me. The disciple says, Master, everybody is touching you. Do you know what they were saying? Everybody is thronging you. Why would you say somebody? He said, no. Somebody made a special contact. A contact of faith. And because that person made that contact, he felt the surge of power leaving. And the woman knew that that power entered her body and healed her. I want you to know that that same dynamic is available and alive till today. The same Jesus is still in the miracle working business. But you see, the, the jocular part of that story is this. When they now found the woman, she now began to tell the story. I mean, you know, women can talk for a long time. She began to tell, 12 years ago, this, this, this. But there was one man who had already made contact with Jesus. His name is Jarius. And Jesus was standing, has stood up to go to Jarius' house to pray for Jarius' daughter. While this woman was talking, they said, Jarius, don't bother the master. The woman and your daughter is dead. How many of you think Jarius would have felt sad? Talk to me. But what did Jesus tell Jarius? Fear not. Only what? You know what that tells me straight away? That whenever you have activated your faith in something that God is doing, don't let anything stop your faith. I'm not sure you heard that. I'm not sure you heard that. You see, he had already told Jesus, my daughter is sick. Come. Jesus stood up. Everybody say faith. Jesus was walking there. A contrary situation came and Jesus said, fear not. In other words, what you have set into motion with your faith, don't withdraw it. I'm not sure you heard me. I said, what you have set into motion with your faith, because a contrary evidence can come. It doesn't stop the power of God. When Jesus got to that girl's place, he not only raised her from the dead, he healed her whatever disease, and he brought her back alive. Why? Because when you make contact with God, no matter how bad the situation gets, the power of God can still change it. I thought I should give you that free of charge. 
Because I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. Sorry, um, the one with the issue of blood. Because she made contact and Jesus knew she had made contact. May you make contact today. I said, may you make contact today. I said, may you make contact today. So let's turn our Bibles as we start this study to see the man, Jesus Christ. Say loud, amen. amen. I'm sure you love him in this place, don't you? How many of you love Jesus? Mm-hmm. In First Timothy chapter 2, verse, verse 5, it says, There is, for there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, attested to at the right and proper time. I want you to know that from his birth to his baptism, through his ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing, we see the intimacy he had with the Father, we see his dependence on the Father, and we see his obedience to the Father. And we are meant to be conformed to this image in character and power. But I want you to see something first of all, that the first thing he did was to make it possible for God to have sons like him. Amen, somebody. You see, he came, I tell people, I say he came for three reasons. A lot of people only celebrate one. But we'll get there. Let me just build the foundation, then we'll get there. If you turn your Bible to Romans chapter 8, from verse 29. It says, for those whom he foreknew, amplified this, of whom he was aware of and loved beforehand. He also destined from the beginning, for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son. And share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among what? Who is the firstborn? Jesus. In Yoruba land, they call him Akobi. I don't know if you understand what Akobi means. The firstborn means that he is the head amongst all the children. And according to Jewish uh, whatever, the firstborn is entitled to double of whatever anybody else has. But this firstborn is willing to share everything he has with others. You belong to a family. And your elder brother is called Jesus Christ. Ah. God does not see you outside him. You are in him. May you see yourself in him. But let's go on. It says, And those whom he does for ordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also what? justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them in right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also what? Uh, is this glorification going to be when we die or now? Aha! Uh-huh. Now let's read that in Amplified. He said he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. In other words, that is who you are. How many of you are the people they describe here, those whom he foreordained, say me. He also called, say me. Those whom he called, say me. He also justified, say me. And those whom he justified, he also what? That means you are in a state and a condition of glory that is beyond what you see in the natural. Is somebody hearing me here? I said that, you see, let me inform you first of all. You are not flesh and blood. You are a spirit. This is the problem in the church. If you saw a dead man lying down today, the body you are seeing is not the man. The real man has gone. Is it true? So who is the real man? So you are a spirit 
You have a soul and you live in a body. This body is your earth suit. When Jesus entered Mary's womb, he went to collect an earth suit in the womb. That's what you collect in the womb. You are a spirit. You are, your, your spirit is looking at me through your eyes now. Look, look, look at me. <laughs> See, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, you must understand this, that the body is what gives you right to operate on earth. That's why Jesus took a body. Every bodiless spirit can be cast out. They have no right to function. That's why the demons are always looking for a human body to possess. Because God gave the body authority to function on earth. You got the gist? Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotion. The seat of your personality. Am I talking here? But your spirit is where the transaction took place when you got born again. Your spirit was recreated. I was recreated. The only example that your spirit has is Jesus Christ himself. That means you are like him. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? We, we don't have a family whereby this one is white, this one is black. It's only our external bodies that have different colors. The inner man has the same nature as the father. Am I talking to somebody here? I said the inner man has what? The same nature as the father. It is that same nature. When he says whom he justified, he also glorified. It's the level of glory. You know the Bible says we have sinned and come short of the glory. What was that glory? That glory was what Adam had. That's why he didn't need clothes. How many of you have read that Adam wore no clothes? He didn't need to wear clothes. Should I give you another thought? Everything else that God created, it was from inside them that their covering came out. Fish. Animals. Is it true? I want you to know when he created Adam. The glory of God in the spirit of Adam was his covering. <laughs> I'm not saying don't wear clothes now, but the point I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm trying, to let, I'm trying to give you a picture of what glory means. You see, glory means presence of God. Everything that has to do with God is glorious. Am I talking? His presence, his power, his function. So we define glory in three dimensions. Whenever there's a healing, you say we give glory to God. Is that true? Why? Because that is a functional dimension of his glory. When you say, Lord, you are too much. I love you, Lord. You are faithful, Lord. You are good to me. You are merciful. That is an ethical dimension of his glory. Am I talking? When the presence of God comes in a place, you honor him and you bow down. You are honoring the presence of God. That is the physical or presence dimension of his glory. Am I talking? Everything that has to do with God has to do with glory. If God manifests here now, you say, wow, I sense the glory of God in this place. Is that not true? Because people will see the glory of God and they will say, light. Light was shining. That's glory. That's glory of his presence. When you see the power, that's glory of his function. When you see his character, that is glory of what? Talk to me. Glory of his ethics, ethical glory. Who is God? He's a merciful father. Who is God? He's a faithful one. 
Who is God? He's a loving Father. All those dimensions carry glory with them. I'm trying to let you understand when he says you have been glorified. That means that there are dimensions of God resident in your spirit. That when you begin to manifest, you are aware that there is something in your spirit that has to do with God. If I lay hands on the sick and they get healed today, am I the healer? Am I the healer? Am I the healer? Who do we give the glory to? Why? Because through the laying on of hands, he has channeled his glory, his functional glory, his healing glory into that person. That person gets healed. And Even if you see the days of Jesus, whenever there was a miracle, they would say they gave glory to God. Is it true? So, I want you to get that. So, when we say you are glorified, don't think of it in terms of, you know, you are now in another world and, you know, there are stars all over you. No, it just means that... <laughs> There are certain deposits in your spirit that are very much like God. And when you begin to manifest them, you give him the glory. Because that you have it means that he has put his glory upon your life. How many of you received that so far? You understand it? Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. So I wanted to lay that foundation so we understand. Because you see, a lot of times when we talk about the man Jesus, people see him as an external being. Not as one who is in them. Talk to me. Is it true? You see, we, don't, we find it difficult to relate with Jesus as a big brother. We relate with him as external. He is out there and you and I are down here. And you know, we don't know whether he wants to come and relate with us. No, that's not the picture the New Testament paints. Am I talking here? That's not the picture the New Testament paints. The man Jesus, they deliberately called him a man because he, he took away, he came as a divine person. You and I were human beings before we became divine. He started as divine before he became man. <laughs> Am I talking over your head or you're catching it? So I want us to get that because a lot of times when we talk about the man Jesus, people look at him as an He's so far away from them that it's as if how can I ever be like him? The scripture we read says you should be conformed to the image of the Son. And in Hebrews 1, you know what the Bible calls Jesus? The express image of the Father. Oh! If God, Jesus is the express image and you are now are designed to be conformed to that image, then there's something about God that is on the inside of every one of us. True or false? When you got born again, what do you think happened to you? Oh, God just had mercy on me. Yeah. God just forgave my sin. Yeah. But he did much more than that. He recreated you. Your spirit man was recreated. Am I talking here? You know, when he created man, he said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 1.26. Is that not true? And after the image and likeness of God, he made them male and female. Is that true? All of sin comes short of the glory. So when man fell... He lost the glory essence that was in his spirit. And that's why you use the word spiritual death. Spiritual death is not cessation of life. Spiritual death is separation from life. Did you hear what I just said? Spiritual death is not cessation, it's separation. If a person dies physically today, he has been separated from us who are alive. So when Adam fell, he was separated from God. 
So he had what they call spiritual death. Spiritual death as a nature is what produces sin nature. It's what produces all the things you and I call sinfulness today. Am I making sense? When we came into Christ, a new spirit was born in us. If any man be in Christ. What part of you became a new creature? Your spirit man. That's why it says we should present our bodies. Who is the we? That should present your body. Your spirit. <laughs> it says you should present Romans 12. Is that not true? It says we should do what? So who is the we that can present your body? Is it not your spirit man? You see, Paul was writing a lot of his writings to your spirit. But people don't know. Bible says you should present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. Then he says, you should not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? So if you are just a body and mind, how can you, pre- how can you present you to God? If you are just a mind, how can you renew you? Am I making sense here? Your recreated spirit is the one that has the responsibility to say, I present this vessel, this earth suit. As a living sacrifice. And that's your reasonable spiritual worship. Your recreated spirit is the one that will say, Mind, stop thinking like that. Now, it is that recreated spirit that has the image of the Son. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Say, I'm a recreated spirit. You see, your recreated spirit is what, when you say family, Jesus is your elder brother. When God sees you, he sees recreated spirits. He sees everybody's spirit recreated. This is one of us. Why? His spirit is recreated. Am I talking? Because that's what Jesus came to make possible. So, let me give you the three reasons why I know he came. Then I will build on later. Number one, divine exchange. That's a divine exchange. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, if any man... Let's go there. Let's go there. I want, I'd like to show us something there that I believe will help us. We're talking about the man Jesus. We're going to dwell on his birth, his ministry, but I'm going ahead of myself to tell you what he has done for you. So when you are hearing about him, don't think far away. Think he is in me and he wants to reproduce this in me. Am I talking here? Okay, so let's go to that Second Corinthians chapter 5, and let's see what we can glean from there. I'm reading from my own King James Version, New King James. It says, um, let's begin from verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judged us that if one died for all, then what happened? Oh, you have not got there. I want you to participate. If one died for all, then all, all died. All were dead. Okay, let's read on. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live, to live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Watch this, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. What does that mean? Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet, we know him thus. What does it mean? To Mary, he was Mary's son. 
Talk to me. To the Jews, he was a rabbi. Talk to me. That means that even Jesus had dual identity. In the natural, he was a Jew. In the natural, he was Mary's son. In the natural, he had brothers and sisters. But he had another identity. He was the son of God. Is this true? Now, when that scripture says, Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. What is he talking about? That means that if I look at you, I can say you are African, you are this, you are British, you are Taiwanese, like my friend Mark from Harvester. You are whatever. That is your identity in the natural. Talk to me, somebody. But you have an, another identity in the spirit. And it is that identity in the spirit that is the one that is producing most of the things you are experiencing in the natural when you were not born again. Did you hear what I just said? Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. For we knew Jesus after the flesh. When you, what do you think those who saw him on the cross, what do you think they saw? They saw a rabbi dying. True or false? They saw the son of Mary dying. Peter saw, oh, my good friend, this rabbi, dying. But what was God saying? The son who became the lamb that is taking away the sin of the whole world. What was God saying? The sacrifice, the eternal plan of God for salvation was being orchestrated right there. When the sin of the whole world was poured into him, he knew no sin. How did he now take on sin if he never sinned himself? I mean, sin is a nature, is a spiritual nature. They poured it into his spirit. I'm not sure you heard that. He didn't commit one sin, but he became the sin bearer. So what did they do? They took sin as a nature. You think sin is, I told a lie. Uh, You know, I bribed somebody. No, those are the acts of sin. Sin itself is a spiritual nature. Did you hear me? (laughs) That's why you repent of the acts. But it takes the power of God to get rid of the nature in you. So they poured sin into him. They poured poverty into him. They, it was when he saw those things coming in the garden of Gethsemane. That's why he was crying and said, Lord, if it were possible, let this cup pass over me. He saw the bitterness. He saw the wretchedness. He saw the things that he would have to bear on that cross. And in his humanity, he said, Car, if it were possible, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, when we start talking about his humanity, I will give you some insights about that. But I want you to see something right there. That was what he did on your behalf. Listen, not just on your behalf, on behalf of the entire human race. Did you hear me? In other words, what is the good news today? That God is not mad at people. All they need to do is to believe in Jesus and come into a relationship with him. Because this same scripture we're going to read on, he says... This same Jesus, this, that, therefore if any man be in Christ, is a what? New creation. That means it's not your old, your, 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 your natural identity that has changed. It's your spiritual identity. Is somebody hearing me? When your spiritual identity changes, then you have the authority under heaven to change things in the natural. Your mind can now be renewed. 
your body can now be presented. Listen, if anybody is born again and is still yielding to sin, it's because they chose to yield to sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion. It doesn't have that authority again. It lost that authority when you got born again. Why? Because your elder brother, who is the representative of the human race, <laughs> you see, he's got this. You know how he calls himself? Son of God, son of man. At a certain time, he became son of man so that he can represent man before God. At another time, he became son of God, so he's representing God before man. I'm not sure you heard that. What it means is this, that when it comes to our covenant with God the Father, our representative was Jesus Christ. When his blood was shed, it was a representative. He cut covenant with the Father on our behalf. That's why that covenant cannot fail. Because the two parties involved, they don't know how to fail. You and I are only beneficiaries of the covenant. I'm not sure you heard that. You see, when I stand on the covenant, there's no possibility of failure except I fail. Why? Because on one side, God the Father. On the other side, our Lord Jesus Christ. So the covenant is intact. It's now up to me what I do. Am I talking here? Now, Jesus Christ represents you before the Father. The Bible says he ever lives to make what? Intercession. But let me stay with my subject. The first thing he did was he took your place. Everybody say he took my place. Do you know why he took your place? So that you can have access to his own place. I told you if you planted purple, what do you expect to reap? He didn't plant a baby Jesus. He planted a matured Jesus. <laughs> Did you hear me? He didn't plant a baby Jesus. He planted what? And he expects to reap what? Matured sons. So your, your tenure on earth is for you to grow up into maturity. Did you hear me? That's why you're here. To be conformed to the image. But let's start with that divine exchange. So in this same scripture, let's read on. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are what? And everything has become? Now all things are of God. Uh, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, given us the mission of reconciliation, that, that, is, that God was in Christ, reconciling who? Reconciling who? Reconciling who? The whole world. Jesus was reconciling the world to God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their what? Trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of... Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Before he made him who knew no sin to be seen, that we might become what? So he took your place so you can take his place. He carried shame so you can carry glory. He carried rejection so you can have acceptance. Some of you don't know that. But Paul was right. He'll say, we are accepted in the beloved. You don't understand. When Jesus hung on that cross and he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. You know what he was saying? My God, my God, why have you what? At that moment, when sin was poured into his spirit, the father took his face off. 
And for the first time, there was a separation. There was, I cannot, God, the holy God could not behold sin. So he took his face off and he said, ah, I can't stand this level of rejection. He did that for you. I said, he did that for you. I said, he did that for you. I said, he did that for you. Listen, everything that Satan could throw at humanity, he bore it for us. He took your place. He took, you see, when you suffer rejection now, and you are saying, I feel rejected, I feel all you need to do is go to the new creation and go and exchange your rejection for his acceptance. Am I talking here? All you need to do, go to the new creation and say there is divine exchange. Bible says he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made what? When he said, I thirst on the cross, what do you think he was declaring? Poverty. Because the height of poverty is not just having money. It is not even having clothes to wear and having no water to drink. That's what he suffered on the cross. Am I talking to somebody? So, he became sin with your sin. He became poor with your poverty. He became rejected because of what you have done. And now, acceptance is yours. Forgiveness is yours. Deliverance is yours. That's what I call divine exchange. A new identity. A new authority. You see, the name of Jesus is not to be used as an ex... It's not supposed to use it as you use talisman. So when I, when, I, when I say that name like this, when I say that name, as if it's an external name. No, you have that name in the realm of the spirit. I'm so sure you heard me. How many of you know that there is a family name in every family? The truth. That is a what? So God gave Jesus a name above every name. And that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That became our family name. That's why we are called the body of Christ. Did you hear me, sir? That's why we are called what? That's our family name. So don't use it like an external talisman. Say, eh, 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 eh. as if it's, no, no. That is the name you bear. That's why if you look at Amplified, it says, representing all that I am. That's what that name means. Am I talking? Ever say divine exchange? Say divine exchange. He took my place. Now I'm free. Let me go to the second one why he came. Ever say divine pattern. This one you may not like. Because in his death, burial, and resurrection, he showed the pattern that you and I must go through. And that's where that scripture apostle quoted yesterday from John chapter 12. Let's go there. John chapter 12. Apostle was quoting it in a deeper way, but I will say it the way me I understand it. John chapter 12. Turn to me, turn, turn with me to John chapter 12, and let's look at verse 24. Let's look at it in context. Verse 22. Philip came and said and told Andrew. In, the, in turn, Andrew and, and, uh, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains what? But if it dies, it produces? 
He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there will my servant, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Listen, my brother, my sister. Through the death, burial, and resurrection, he showed you the pattern that everyone who will come into maturity will go through. Can I hear an amen? amen. I don't expect you to get excited about this one, but this is true. This is the part of the gospel that has not been popularly preached. And that's why we have many spiritual babies in the house of God, not matured sons. Why? Because for me to become anything in the kingdom, something must die. I must embrace death as a pattern. (laughs) Don't look at me like I've said something wrong. Do you know that there is not one scripture that you will obey and you will not produce death inside you for it to produce results? Case in point, love one another. Okay, let me go to husband and wife. Husbands, love your wives as what? How did Christ love the church? Wives, submit to your own husband as unto... So, a successful home is where two people are dying daily. Did you hear what I said? You see, because death, burial, and resurrection is the divine pattern in the word of God. I don't have the time. I can show you. Moses got a vision. Joseph got a vision. Everybody in the Bible who got vision, they went through death, burial, resurrection. Not one person escaped that pattern in the Old Testament. But we're not teaching it in the new because we all want to see our needs met all the time. So we don't know how to teach people how to die. It's the divine pattern. There's no way you are going to follow. What do you think happened to Joseph when he was found, when he found himself in the prison in in Potiphar's house? His, His vision underwent death. When he entered prison, it's called burial. <laughs> then resurrection when he came out. Is somebody hearing me? Here? <laughs> you see, and Jesus, he had. If you look at everything Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He was teaching them that very resurrection, but we didn't see it. If you love your life, you will lose it. What is he saying? Death. Death is involved in maturity. Death is involved. Look, okay, Joseph is a good example. You had a vision. You had the dream. Hmm. Everybody was spouting to you. Talk to me now. Didn't Joseph have that kind of dream? Where did God go when they made him a slave? Why didn't God fight for him? Because that vision needed to undergo Then there was burial. You know, when you are buried, you can't raise yourself again. This is the problem I have with the church. We all want to raise ourselves. If God does not see you fit to be raised, stay dead. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? Okay, when Joseph was raised and they brought him to the house of Pharaoh, do you think Joseph was boasting around like, 
I'm too much. No, he knew that he was dead as far as he was concerned. That the only thing that sustained him was Jehovah himself. That is what is missing many times in many people's lives. We have not come to the place of complete brokenness because we don't understand death, burial, resurrection. What do you think happened to Peter, Paul on the way to Damascus? Let me come home now so you don't think I'm just talking Old Testament. The guy was riding a horse to go and kill people, right? He had a divine encounter, right? When they spoke to him, he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. What was the next thing Paul said? What would you have me do? That was a complete U-turn. The vision that was pushing him died. A new vision was born. You will think that one will not go through death. What did he do at the backside of Arabian desert? What they persecuted, you know they persecuted him. Ah, he died many times. <laughs> but today his letters are still speaking. You know what that tells me? When you go through proper process, the works that you do live beyond you. Is somebody hearing me? So look at this scripture we read, John 12. What, does it, what, what is it there? It says, if a grain of wheat does not fall to the ground, it abides alone. But if it falls and dies, it bears forth much fruit. Shall I give you what I understand? A seed that enters the soil, the forces of nature in the soil will attack its shell. <laughs> it will disintegrate. Why? So that the life that is in that seed can come out. <laughs> you see, the life that is in your spirit needs to come out. But many things that externally need to die. Your pride. Your selfishness. So that they can see me that I am the one. You have not died yet. That's why you get, that's why you get offended easily. See what, see what they did to me. See what they did to me. See what they did to me. Go and die. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, my brother, my sister. Even a vision that is born of God goes through the same process. I might talk again. I see some young men come and say, God has called me. God has called me. I, I, I prophesy to you now. No, no. You need to start washing the toilet. So that that vision can die. So if it is truly of God, it will go through burial. And when it is resurrecting, have you noticed? Look at that seed again. Let's go back to that seed. When the forces of nature attack the shell of that seed, talk to me now. The day life is ready to come out, do you notice that no pebble in that soil can stop that life? No stone in that soil can stop that life. Why? Because it has gone through process. When the fullness of time comes, that life will speak. It will come to the surface. It's not by effort of man. It is divine. God has ordained it like that. If your life is going to affect others, there will be times when you will die to so many things for your life to affect anybody else. Is somebody hearing me here? And let me inform you, when you are buried, you can't raise yourself. Some of you like to raise yourself. You put your hand out of the ground. <laughs> no. 
be dead. <laughs> you reckon yourself dead to sin. Reckon yourself dead to pride. Reckon yourself dead to selfishness. Reckon yourself dead to the things of the flesh. Then the flesh gets the message. There is a new master. It's my recreated spirit, not you. The, the mind gets the message. There is a new master. It's not what I think, what I feel. is what the Holy Ghost is saying to my recreated spirit through the instrument of the word. Now we are talking of maturity. That is what has been absent. Because we have created a God, a, 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 a Father Christmas God. Who all we need, all we think is what we need from him. Talk to me. If you were in Joseph's shoes, do you think you would still serve God? After he watched you being made a slave. What about when he was lied against and they put him in prison? Talk to me. Wouldn't you say, this God that I've been serving, where did he go that he allowed me to suffer like this? Hey, I won't serve him again. Would you not say so? No, those who will say so didn't come to church today. <laughs> they didn't come. Those who will say so, maybe they come on Sunday, but you, you won't say so. Am I talking? Yeah. Because you will go, even Moses. Moses thought he could do the will of God in the flesh. I'm not sure you remember his story. He went and killed one Egyptian. Then he ran. For 40 years he was away. The vision died. Did you hear me? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It could die momentarily, but if it's of God, resurrection is coming. And when resurrection came, the same one who ran from Pharaoh faced Pharaoh. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? Was it not Pharaoh he ran from? But now he faced Pharaoh. Let my people... It has gone through process. It has gone through death, burial, and... Uh Now it can function. Am I talking? So I thought I should give you that free of charge that Jesus also came as a divine pattern. Everybody say divine pattern. If you're going to be successful in Christ, you're ready to die to so many things. And then he will raise you up. And if he doesn't raise you up, stay dead. Say amen. I said, if he doesn't raise you up, do what? Stay dead. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't obey instructions. I'm not saying if God puts on your heart to maybe plant a church, don't do it. No. I'm saying these are internal issues. They're not external. They're internal issues. Something must die for something to come alive. Something must be buried for the thing that God planted to come into a matured state. That's why he gave us the corn example. When that corn is undergoing his trials in the soil, Nobody's seen anything on the surface. True or false? But when that process is done, the life in that... Who put life there? Is it not God? But why did he let it go through all those external subjections to forces of nature? Why? Death must take place. Then the life, the beauty of that life will stand out. And not, not one pebble in that soil can stop the force of that life. No stone, no rock can stop the force of that life. Why? If there's a rock, it will go like this and still come out. <laughs> Why? Because when life is in a place, results show up. Manifestations show up. Shout hallelujah! So that's my own understanding that there is. You see, whatever you think you are today, 
be open for heaven to bring you through process. You know, let me say something about suffering. The Old Testament, the New Testament saints understood the place of suffering. We're not to suffer poverty. We're not to suffer sickness and disease, but there's suffering in the flesh if we must fulfill destiny. Hello. Thank you for your thunderous silence. <laughs> Shall I give you the scripture? First Peter chapter 4 from verse 1. First Peter chapter 4 from verse 1. Since, therefore, since Christ has done what? Where? What should you do? With thee? For he who has, has one what? Verse 2. That he, should, he no longer should leave the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Did you catch that? Arm yourself with the mind to suffer in the flesh to avoid sin in your life. Are you glad? Are you glad you came today? You see, when a woman goes through labor, she's already prepared her mind that there is labor pain. It doesn't stop her wanting the second child. (laughs) True or false? But many of us have not understood that when it comes to laboring for God, there is pain in the flesh. There is suffering in the flesh. There are things you will want to do in the flesh when you know the word of God says you shouldn't do. You say no to that and you walk away from it. So that you will not live your life according to the lust of men, but according to the will of God. Am I talking? The third reason why he came. (laughs) That everybody knows to show us the divine love of God. John chapter 8. Jesus was told by some men that this woman was caught in adultery. And the law of Moses said we should stone her to death. And Jesus said, he bowed down, he was writing, he said, anyone who has not seen, let him be the first to stone her. And all of them left. And when Jesus stood up, he said, where are they? And accusers. He said, they have gone. He said, neither do I accuse you. But he said something, go and sin no more. You know what that tells me? God loves us. In spite of our sins. Did you hear me? I said God loves us in spite of what? But he doesn't want us to continue in sin. Are you getting the point? So three reasons why he came. Ever said divine exchange? Divine pattern? Divine love of God? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his own begotten son. Is that not true? So while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. Is that true? So we know God loves us. But you see, those are the three reasons why he came. Now I want to dwell in the life of the man, Jesus. I want you to understand something. That when he came, he didn't just come to save us alone. He came to show us how we ought to live. Can I hear an amen? Amen. He came to show us what it means to be a man or woman under God. He came to show us what it means to have intimacy with the Father. And he came to show us how to be a channel for the power of God to flow through us to the entire human race. That's why he came. Am I talking here? And you need to see that, that you have come into the family of God and you have a template, an example. His name is Jesus. You see, when engineers want to produce many things, they produce one, they call it the template. So that template is what they used to mass produce. How many engineers do we have here who know what I'm talking about? Jesus is the template. You and I are to be mass produced. 
Say loud, amen. So when he said, this sign shall follow them that believe, he was not just saying it as if, you know, it's one of those things. No, no, he's saying it that this is part of the template that as I have laid, you see, when he was on earth, he called his disciples and he sent them out with authority. They saw him lay hands on the sick. They too went and laid hands and they got results. Am I talking? Let me give you some scripture. He, 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 he had got such a, a, an encounter, a, a divine intimacy with the Father that it was as if anywhere he spoke, he said, I and the Father, we are one. In terms of identity, I believe they are separate identities. But in terms of unity of purpose, they are one. Am I talking here? You see, if you enter the throne of God right now, you will see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Is it true? So that means there is a Father and there is Jesus. But Jesus on earth says we are one. You know what that tells me? One in purpose. One in identity. There is a unity amongst them. And that's what he brought you and I into. Are you ready for this kind of thing? Are you ready for this kind of thing? This is life at its highest. Amen, somebody. In John 16, he was saying, he said, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Catch that intimacy. In John 14, he said, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. What's the difference? Anything you demand as my representative, I will make sure it happens. Anything you ask the Father that you want from the Father in my name, I will make sure the Father does it. When, Jesus, when Peter saw the man at the gate beautiful, did you notice he didn't say, Oh Lord Jesus, heal this man. Did you notice he didn't say so? He said, silver or gold, but such as, such as, such as, such as, such as, do you know you have that name as much as Peter has him? Such as I have, I, in the name of Jesus, he pulled the guy up. Now, let me ask you, was that a prayer? Or was it a making of a demand? Can you see the point I'm making here? So when Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. In other words, when you have fully understood my purpose, and you are working in my authority with the consciousness that I am at work in you, whatever you demand, bam, it's done. I said, whatever you demand, bam, it's done. But when it comes to your personal needs and your fellowship with the Father, he said, I ask this in the name of Jesus. And the Father will say, I love Jesus, I love you. I tell you what, if you begin to dwell on the level of intimacy, and Jesus made some declarations. He who has seen the me has seen the Father. Whatever the Father has belongs to me. Whatever I have belongs to the Father. The things I do, it's the Father in me that does them. The words I speak is the Father in me that is speaking through me. That's the level of intimacy he wants for us. But the question is, how many of us are willing to pay the price? To develop that level of intimacy. Apostle, I learned this one from you one day. We're talking years ago. You said that you found that it was because he was willing to lay down his life. That's why the father loved him. I picked it then. Because that was when I was doing my own homework on the son. 
You see, the, the father loves him because he was willing to lay down his life. And you know what he said? And that's in John 17. He says, I'm also able to take it back. In other words, it's not like I laid it down, then Satan can mess it up. At the fullness of time, I took it back. Say amen. amen. See, there's a level of authority that intimacy accords to you. And that's what Jesus demonstrated. In fact, in one place, when God showed me that scripture, it opened my eyes. In John 5, 44, it says, how can you believe when you are seeking the glory that comes from man? It said you will truly believe only when you seek the glory that comes from the Father. That's me paraphrasing it. But the point I'm making is this. From his birth, angels heralded him. Is that not true? Ah, they were celebrating his birth. Amen, somebody. And when he was a young boy, he sat amongst the scholars of his time. He asked them questions. They were amazed. And in John chapter 2, the Bible says that when they were looking for him, after a while they found him, and that the son, the boy Jesus, the child Jesus grew, he grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. Do you know those four dimensions? Wisdom. It could be mental development. Um, what else? Stature. Physical development. Favor with God. Spiritual development. Favor with men. Social development. Jesus grew all around. Religion makes us grow only spiritually. Did you hear me? We thought Jesus grew only spiritually. So he said, oh, everything spirit, 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 spirit. No. He understood how to interact with people. Can I hear loud? Amen. I said he understood how to what? He grew in four dimensions, not one. But that was the boy Jesus. After the water baptism under John, the Bible says heaven opened up and the Spirit of God came upon him. Hallelujah. The same Jesus who worked for 30 years and no demon says, I know you. After that encounter and after the period of praying and fasting, he entered the place. One demon says, I know you. How did they know him? When you do these things I'm saying, demons will begin to know you. Yeah. Am I talking here? The Bible says he did not heal anybody for the first 30 years. He did nothing. There was no miracle, nothing. But when he finished that water baptism, the Bible says the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Process must take place. He went to encounter the one who had taken over the human race. His name is Satan. And that one said, if you be the son of God, turn the stone to bread. I'm told that a Jewish boy at age 12 is meant to have read up all the five books of Moses. Is that true? And so they will know the scriptures, at least Old Testament. What did Jesus use when he was there? Should I tell you what was going on? The Spirit of God had come upon him like a dove. Is that true? So he was anointed and the Holy Ghost quickened scriptures in him whenever the temptation came. So all he was saying is, it is written. It is written. It is written. How did he know the relevant scripture to quote? Holy Ghost. When Paul was writing in Ephesians 6, you know what he said? He said we should put on the whole armor of God. <laughs> mm, he said, and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The sword of the Spirit is not the whole Bible. It is the quickened word, the rhema word. You pull it out at the point of temptation. You pull it out at the point of warfare. But if you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a problem. Am I talking here? You see, 
you don't say, I put on the whole armor. Lord, today I put on my helmet of salvation. Lord, today I put on the just face of righteousness. No, 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 no. Don't go through all of those rigmarole. <laughs> Once you are filled with the Holy Ghost, your armor is intact. Maintain contact, maintain fellowship with the Word and with the Spirit. Don't go through, I, I carry the shield of faith. I, I, mm, mm, mm. If you are doing that, you are just playing games. It's all right. If it, if it helps your faith, fine. But it doesn't change anything. Because Satan is not moved by those physical things you are doing. It is the reality. Say amen. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. You know, when the Bible says your, the feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace, should I give you an insight into that? <laughs> mm. The Bible says in Romans, I think it's 16, it says the God of peace shall bruise Satan shortly under your feet. You know what that means? The, the, the Roman uh, uh, boots for warfare, they have big studs. Wicked studs. And when the Roman soldiers are marching, God bless anybody who is on the way. They will crush you as they are going on. With those and it has serious thoughts. Anybody that is on the way, they will mash you clean. You will be looking funny by the time they are through with you. Now, what Satan, what the Bible says that God of peace will crush Satan shortly under your feet. As you are marching, Satan is being crushed. Every advancement you are doing for the kingdom of God, something of the demonic is being crushed under your feet. Is somebody hearing me? That's why he doesn't want anybody advancing the kingdom. I don't have time to tell you about putting on the whole armor. My goodness. If you, put, if you saw the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, oh, the shield of faith, that shield is as big and as tall as your height. And it's dampened with water. So when the fiery darts of the enemy lands on your shield, it goes, it quenches it. So we are not dealing with something that, you know, uh, human beings can now use their brain to figure out. No, we're dealing with the power of the almighty God. I mean, you should change your consciousness from seeing yourself. You know how Satan wants you to see yourself? Little you, you did this yesterday. You cannot come and command me and you think I will listen to you. You better go and repent of your sins first. Let me tell you one secret. Your sin is not Satan's business. Did you hear me? When Satan, when you now bring yourself to the point where Satan is the one telling you, you know you told a lie yesterday and you have not repented of that lie. How can you command me to go? You tell him I'm not commanding you in my own name. I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus. Go now. Then I can go and repent later. <laughs> Listen, your sin is between you and your father. When it comes to the enemy, don't let him play on your sin. Listen, I know he has done it on me many times before. I got wiser. Am I talking here? How holy are you going to get that Satan will now listen to you because of your own holiness? Let's discuss. How holy? He likes to play on that game. You know why? Because all of us have been trained in our upbringing to know that we earn what we have. Talk to me. So when we come into Jesus Christ, we are looking for how to earn it. No, no. It's yours. 
It's hard to believe. I know. I grew up in the old school too. I understand how you feel condemned, how you feel guilty, how you feel unworthy, how you feel you are no good for God. Thank God for his mercy. But listen, my brother, my sister. If God was to wait until everything you are feeling is made right, then his kingdom will be hindered. The finished work of Calvary has put you on a new platform. You have the name of Jesus. You have an, uh, uh, an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus. Say, come boldly to the throne of grace. Listen, okay, let me ask you a question. I'm a believer, and I tell a lie. Have I sinned? Yes. So, if I have sinned, has God turned his back on me? Uh, I thought sin makes God turn his back on us. If I've sinned, does it give Satan authority to mess me up? Yes, yes, you see, you see, you see. Okay, so, I want to deal with this sin now, so what should I do? I repent and do what? Confess. True? Who am I confessing to? I thought he doesn't listen to me because I've sinned. How can I confess my sin to God if he has not he has stopped listening to me because I sinned? So can I still have access to God? But I've sinned. How can I have access when I've sinned? Answer me now. <laughs> who am I confessing my sins to? So how can I confess to the God who has forsaken me because I sinned? Huh? Because I have come to him. And he will not turn me back. Because I sin now. I'm a sinner. He will still give me chance. <laughs> Why would he give me chance? Because of who? Because of who? Because of who? Because of who? That means that the quality of relationship I have with him through Jesus does not come to an end just because I sinned once. Based on my relationship with Jesus, I can go back to him and confess, repent, and my fellowship is established back with him. So don't let the devil use condemnation to drive you away from God when you fall. Are you getting the point I'm making here? Are you getting the point I'm making? Don't let the devil drive you away. You see, the spirit of condemnation is the most powerful killer of faith. You feel unworthy. You feel you're not good enough. You ask God for great things. And a thought comes to you. Are you good enough? Are you worthy to receive this thing? True or false? Get rid of that thought now. Say, in Christ Jesus... I've been accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Whatever you ask the Father in his name, the Father will give you. Let me give you some scriptures and I will sit down so apostle can come and bless us. Amen. Have you received something today? Have you received something today? Jesus said the work, this is the work to believe on him whom the Father has sent. John 6, 29. He says, I'm, unable, I'm able to do nothing independent of, of my father, John 5.30. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life, John 10.17. Can I hear a loud amen? Can I hear a very loud amen? I tell you what, if you look at the miracles of Jesus, you see there are messages there. Is that true? 
Let's see which scriptures are. Can I leave with you? John, Luke 4, I've quoted that. First John 2, love not the world. Philippians 2, the preaching, the intimacy. Write John 4, 21 to 26. When Jesus was talking about his intimacy with the Father. Still out, amen. I want you to know that God has serious plans for us. Say amen. amen. And you and I are part and parcel of that plan. But you and I need to come into place to understand what Jesus came to do. He came to show you the Father. Say amen. He came to show you that the Father wants intimacy. In fact, in John 17, he says, The glory you have given me, I have given them. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That God has <laughs> released glory to you because of Jesus. So, what God is saying is this, that if you understand the man Jesus, you comprehend his purpose for your life. You comprehend A, his divine exchange, B, divine pattern, C, the revelation of God's love. And then you understand how he lived his own life. When he was faced with temptation, he said it is written. Why? The Holy Ghost was quickening scriptures in him. If you analyze each of those scriptures that the Holy Ghost quickened, do you know that he was hungry and Satan said, if you be the son of God, turn stone to bread. Is it true? Did you notice that the scripture he quoted did not make him fool? He said, man shall not do what? But by? Did that provide the hunger he had? So he still stayed hungry after the temptation. Suffering. If you and I were faced with that, the fact that that stone can become bread so that we can eat and satisfy our hunger will be the primary thing in our minds. Why? Because we have not overcome the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you want to know the three things Satan uses, those are the three things. He used it on Eve in the Garden of Eden. He used it on Jesus. And he doesn't have any new tricks. Ever say lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Found in First John chapter 2. That's what Satan has used. And he used it. He told Jesus, you are hungry. Use your power to meet your need. Does it not make sense? So those of us who have been, who have embraced the, the Father Christmas God. See, ah, that makes sense. Mm, wisdom key has come. Let me turn that stone to bread. And then I'll come and give the testimony in church. Brethren, I was on a 40 day fast. And one day, as I was hungry, I just looked at one stone and I said, stone, become bread. And the stone became bread. And I ate the bread. And it gave me satisfaction. Praise the Lord. How many of you would like to receive the anointing? To speak to stones. You know why I'm giving you all that? Because that is how blind many people are in the church. Should I give you a secret? What if that instruction came from the Father? Would this still be a temptation? No. Did you catch it? He that hath an ear. He was so intimate with the Father, he knew the Father's voice, that when the devil came, he knew that voice. And he said, it is written. That's why he stayed hungry. At the end of that temptation, we didn't hear that Jesus went to eat something. If Satan went and came again, he still overcame him with his written. He went and came again. And you know why? 
he's showing you and I how we can overcome. And how we, you see, in Christ you are an overcomer. In Christ you are more than a conqueror. But there will be times in your life when you need to know the rudiments of how, it, how to overcome. It's like a father who has so much wealth. And he gave it to his children. But he never disciplined them in what he learned to generate the wealth. Those children will waste it. That's the same way. He not only gave you authority. He not only gave you position in Christ. He now is teaching you what he did so that you can do the same so that you can sustain what he has done for you. Are you catching it? You are more than a conqueror, but you must learn how to overcome. Don't yield to the loss of the eyes. Don't yield to the loss of the flesh. Don't yield to pride of life. What is pride of life? Taking your sense of significance from material things. That's pride of life. Loss of the eyes. What your eyes can see. Luku luku. Pride of love. Loss of the flesh. What your flesh wants. Deny those things. And let the will of God be the central focus of your life. Have you received something today? Have you received something today? Have you received something today? Hallelujah. So, this man Jesus, who is he to you? Thank you, my elder brother. So, I want you to stand up and lift your hands to the Father and thank him for your elder brother. Thank him for your elder brother. His name is Jesus. Thank him for all that God has used your elder brother to make available to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, elder brother. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. As the Father has sent you, so you send us. Thank you. Thank you. Whatever the Father has invested in you, you are ready to invest in us. Thank you. We belong to the family. You made it possible, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. We magnify you, Lord. Manifest yourself in this house, O oh God. Lord, manifest yourself in this house. Heal, deliver. Do what only you can do, Lord. 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 That your name might be glorified. We give you thanks for it, Lord. We give you glory and praise for it, Father God. Thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you. Oh, we bless you. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing right now. In the name of Jesus. If you've been having any tormenting dreams, receive your deliverance right now. In the name of Jesus. Well, whatever it is you've asked of God, receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it now. In Jesus' mighty name. We are still praying. There are some things that came to you very clearly. One of it is this. Jesus said in the book of John 17, 18. He says, as you have sent me, I have sent them. There is a key thing in John 10, 17. He says, the reason the Father loved the Son is because he gave his life. And in 1 John he says, you also can give your life. You are going to pray for yourself right now. That Lord, let me die 
to everything that hinders my life. Give me the ability to die today. Anything that is standing against my living, Father, empower me to die, to, to pride, to die to arrogance, to die to lying, to die to deception. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Pray for your spirit man to take control. Your spirit man to take control. Pray for yourself. I want to be like Jesus. I want to operate like Jesus. I want to speak like Jesus. the Lord transform me by the word I have heard tonight. Tell God I'm fed up of allowing my flesh to run my life. Enable my spirit man to take charge of my mind so that even when I'm hungry, and the devil tells me with food, I can still say no in my hunger. The Bible says, and sin shall have no more dominion over you. Pray and tell God, enable me, O God, by the word I've had tonight. Transform me by the word I've had tonight. As many who receive him, God gave them the power to become sons of God. For those who have been predestined have also, those who have been called have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus, your senior brother, we got to conform with him. Tell the Lord, enable me to conform. Enable me to conform. Transform my soul. By the renewal of your mind, tell the Lord, transform my mind. Don't let flesh rule over me anymore. Transform my heart, transform my reasoning, transform my behavior. Peter says, silver or gold I have not, but that I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Tell the Lord, let me behave like you in every way. In my office, in my neighborhood, in my family, let me behave like you. <clears throat> Do not let flesh rule over my life anymore. Lord, I pray thee. Lord, I pray thee. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, how he went about doing good 
and healing everyone under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. And Jesus said in John 17, 18, As the Father has sent me, so have I sent you. You begin to say how God anointed Alfred Williams with Holy Ghost and power, and how he went about doing good, and healing everyone under the power of the devil. Your time has come to manifest. Begin to declare to yourself how God anointed me. Put your name there with Holy Ghost and power, and how I went about doing good. And healing everyone under the power of the devil. Because God was with me. Begin to declare. I enter the month of July. In the power of the Most High. Begin to declare. I enter the month of July. By the power of the Most High. To heal the sick. To raise the dead. To cast out devils. To preach the word of God. Make declaration in the name of Jesus. Rebondo seke paregedoski male rebosha. Now begin to take the authority over any spirit in your body. Cause sicknesses to die. The Bible says, however, there should be none. That will be ill in Zion. For the Lord will forgive the sins of those who dwell therein. None shall be ill in Zion. Bretoseke. Cast sickness in your blood to die. Cast sickness in your bones to die. In your cartilage to die. Sickness in your family to die. Sickness in your gene to die. Anybody that is born with a disease. Begin to receive healing in the name of Jesus. Cause those sickness and diseases to die. In your children, cause the family to die. Exodus 23 verse 25. Worship the Lord your God. He will cause his blessing to come upon your food and water. No shall miscarry your land. He says, I will take away sickness from among you. I will take away sickness from among you. No shall miscarry. None shall be barren. None shall miscarry. None shall be barren. If you are a woman looking for the fruit of the womb, command your womb to be fruitful. Right now. Because you cannot be barren. Yes. You cannot be barren in the house of plenty children. Begin to speak to your womb. Speak to your body. Be fruitful. None shall be barren, says the Lord. I will give you full life, man, says the Spirit of the Most High. Make declaration in the name of Jesus. Make declaration in the name of Jesus. That man, Bademir, said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And mercy located him. Yea, Father God. Now you are praying for the month of July. Tell God as I enter July, let your mercy locate me. Let favor come upon me. Let grace work for me. Mercy locate me. Favor rest upon me. Grace work for me. Mercy locate me. Favor rest upon me. Lord, let grace work for me. As I enter the month of July, the month of revelation, let mercy, O oh God, locate me. Let your mercy, O oh God, locate me. Let your favor rest upon me. 
Everywhere I go, let grace work for me. Let grace work for me. Every grace that God has given to man, let it work for me. Everywhere I go in July, let your mercy locate me. Let it find me out together with my household. Oh Lord, let grace work for me. Yea, let your favor locate me. According to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. Thank God for this week. Thank God for the impartation this week. Thank God for the transformation of this week. Thank God you are entering a new month. As God spoke concerning June, it has been. What God says about July shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Bravo, babomba, sheke. Begin to make declaration into the month of July. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. I shall be open. Insights shall be given. Direction will come from heaven. There will be divine encounter. Heavens will rain down righteousness. The floodgates of heaven shall be opened unto me as I enter the month of July. Privileges shall be accorded me as I enter the month of July. The spirit of excellence shall walk through me. I shall be excellent in everything I do. In my thinking, in my action, in my exams, I shall be excellent. The spirit of excellence shall rest upon me. In my business, I shall be successful as I enter the month of July. In the name of the Lord, blessings shall follow me and overtake me. I will be blessed in going out. I will be blessed in my coming in. I will be blessed in the city. I'll be blessed in the country. Rabondo seke balere bosha. Jesus pay the price. Yeri boseke balere boshi braka baradi. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Put your hands together for the King of Heaven. What type of a man is Jesus? Hallelujah! What type of a man is Jesus? Hallelujah! What type of a man is Jesus? Jesus. 
Hallelujah.